Hello, welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. Hello and welcome to the Bossit Podcast. Um, something a little bit different today. Uh, Michael Humlet is away on holiday. So for the first time ever in episode 19, we're going to interview somebody, David Key. Um, David is somebody I've known for 16 years. Um, yes. And I think you're going to enjoy today. Um, hello, David. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Can't Very believe well. it's 16 years. No. No, I can't. In fact, I thought it was 12, and you, you corrected me. <laughs> yeah, right. well, as I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, it was 16 years ago. Yeah. December 2002. Wow, well, you've got a memory. Yeah. Um, or, was it, or was it that I made that much of an impression just, on you? <laughs> you're unforgettable, Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In but, a good uh, way, I yeah. hope. <laughs> that, that was at that coaching pro- the coaching program we did. And, yes. Uh, we just sort of kept stumbling into each other and sort of had a connection and uh yeah yeah and, so, and, wow. and since well, then i've recommended a number of people to you including sort of colleagues family members and business associates and right. i've been yeah. along to some of your coaching sessions yeah. um you've written a book joy right joy right which is about right. how to steal cars and get away with it no it isn't <laughs> <laughs> Probably would have sold more if it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually likened it. I don't know if you've ever read the book um, "Motorcycle Maintenance and the Art of Zen." It, I've heard of it, but I actually haven't read that one. Oh, okay. It, it, well, because it, it was about a journey, um, yeah. and 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 I think that there were there were similarities. You, you ought to have a read of it. I think I think you would enjoy it. But um, right no, I mean right. I know what it's. I know the effort involved in writing a book because I've done it myself. Yeah, not long finished it. It takes a lot of discipline. So well done for that. But the thing that I was really keen on getting you on this podcast uh, today was something that Michael and I have talked about on a number of occasions. It's stress, stress Mm. for senior executives, stress for business owners. And I've seen firsthand how it can affect people. Um, Mm. It can affect their health. It can affect their performance. It affects their relationships. It affects everything, and it really, it really is an important subject. <clears throat> and um, I've been along to a number of your sessions, um, mm. and I remember when you introduced me to the principles that you're going to be talking about today for the very first sure. time. It was yeah. just in a conversation, mm. and it made perfect sense to me straight away. And I went off and researched it, and I've been back a number of times, mm. but. First of all, before we go into that, because that's all exciting stuff, talk a little bit about your background, because I know you've been involved in the software industry, and this predominantly, you know, software tech is our audience. Tell us a little bit about your background and and what you did. Well, I'm in my 50s now, so if I sort of rewind to the first sort of introduction to computers, it was actually my father. So he was an analyst programmer. He was writing software in the 1960s, early 70s, so he developed ticketing systems for Scandinavian Airways and cervical cancer tracking system for Berkshire Hospital, Royal Hospital. 
So uh, I think I was 14, actually, when he developed Space Invaders for me back in the 1980s. And I vowed, I swore to him that day, I watched him. He said, look, let me show you how to program and develop a software program. So I spent my whole Saturday sitting next to him as he was writing this program in BASIC. That was the language. And uh, at the end of the day, I had Space Invaders, but I, I, I said to him I'd never work in the software industry. To me, that just, how anyone does that was beyond me. Um, but I actually ended up, my first role in the industry was working in the software industry, but not in development. I was working in sales. So I actually started selling software back in the late 80s, and my journey uh, ended in the software industry. I ended up working for a guy called Peter Cobb, and Peter was former, uh, the former MD of Apple uh, Computers in the UK, and he um, left his role as MD and set up his own software business. And I took uh, on the sales director role of that. So I was doing that up until about, until about uh, uh, in fact, the year I met you. Okay. So I was selling into corpus, working with finance directors, selling million-dollar ticket systems, traveling all around the world, and I loved it. It was such a great, great, uh, it was almost like having your own business but not having your own business you had the freedom of being a sort of a, a director of a big branded company you know with good yes. revenues and a business account and i loved that but there came a time um just towards the end of me working in that industry that uh, there was a lot of values conflicts with some of the software that i was selling it was flawed yes in many in many ways so we were you know, that we were being asked to put in this solution into big UK PLC companies, knowing full well that the technology was built on sand. You know, it was like a house built on flaky foundations. Right. And it was going to cause clients a lot of trouble. So it was at that point I decided I didn't want anything to do with that. Um, it was, a, you know, it was against my own personal values. That's right. Because I, I, I remember um, when we first met, yeah. I think you were still working within the software industry, so we, we right. you know, we had a connection there. Yeah. But you were very definite in saying to me that you wanted to have a change in, in your life direction, That's a change it. in your career. Whereas I was going along, I wanted to have some coaching skills that I would sort of add to what I was already doing. Yeah. Whereas you'd made that clear decision. You were, you were going to pivot and change direction. That's a, oh, that's yeah. a tough decision to make, isn't it? Well, it was something that had been sort of evolving in my mind over the previous decade because prior to making the decision, I'd been involved and fascinated with personal development and human transformation. And why do some runners run faster than others? Why are some people more successful in business than others? I was really interested in why are people successful? Yes. So I was fascinated with hypnosis and the unconscious mind back in the 1980s. And then I was introduced to an American personal development guy. A lot of people may have heard of him, a guy called Tony Robbins. And introduced to NLP and, and, and uh, a number of other disciplines that were designed uh, as models and theories on how you can get the best out of people in terms of their performance. So I was fascinated with coaching. So it wasn't, it wasn't an overnight decision. It was something that I'd been building up to, I think, for, as I say, about a decade. But that's not where your story stopped because I know that there'll be a lot of people listening to this podcast yeah. and you've mentioned NLP. There was also life coaching involved at that time yeah. to a degree yeah. Yeah. and hypnosis. And then a lot of people saying, oh, I've had loads of people I know that have done that. 
Yeah. But I, I think the thing that really, the thing that really amazed me, because mm-hmm. you, you did this for quite some time, and there's a lot of people that have gone out there to try and make a career in this area of NLP, life coaching. Yeah. And I must admit, the vast majority fail. Miserably. Yeah, they don't. They don't even get close. And that, that was one of the things. I mean, we kept in contact, and I think yeah. that was one of the things that we were saying is we could see a lot of the people that were on the course with us that were aiming to do that to set this up as a full time career. Mm. The advice they were being given, the direction they were going, we couldn't see it succeeding. Well, and absolutely. You, and you were testing a number of different things, but yeah. you made it a success. And I know. I mean, I've got some stats here that you've actually. Uh, you've been involved in training 55,000 people from 40 different countries. Yeah. You yeah. really, you'd built up a high level of, of success. You became uh, an ANLP accredited trainer, one of the highest in the world. You were trained by Dr. Tad James. Again, a name that I knew, written a number of books. Yeah. It was all going one way and you seemed to be having a lot of success and you said, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> I get bored easily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd, you'd been doing it for a while, but uh, I thought it's yeah, hard work. You, you'd you'd climbed the slope of the mountain. Yeah, it was, it was and... hard. I was the only one left. I think uh, when I did my master trainers training, um, out of the twenty six people around the world that had qualified, I think I was the only one standing after about five years. Yeah, and I think so most of them fell by the way. And I and think if there'd been more in the group, the stats would have been even worse. Yeah, that's that's my feeling from what I've seen because I know a number of people that have done this, and yeah. there's a high dropout rate, and really hard to succeed in this area. Yeah. But I remembered, I think we had a telephone conversation. Probably mm. we were both driving somewhere, as we often are. Yeah. <laughs> go, hey, I haven't spoken to you for a while, yeah. and you said, "I'm going to move away from NLP." After you'd built yeah. up that success, and I mm. thought, wow, I'll have to come and see you to see what you're going to be doing, because sure. it needs to be something special. Well, I stumbled across something, Mark. Um, so up to that point, yeah, I was doing pretty okay, 55,000 clients, won awards, and, you know, we were doing okay in the world of online training and in-room training and consulting and coaching. Um, however, I had a defining moment. I experienced something in my personal life that, um, threw me, it caught me unawares, threw me off balance, and I really didn't know how to handle the emotions of it, the wow. stress, the anger, the experience that I was going through. Effectively, um, caught me off guard, threw me off balance, and everything that I'd learned up until that point in time as a master trainer, so i reached the top of my game, mm. I still couldn't handle and deal with what was going on. You know, and that really shook me. And someone introduced me to uh, a book. And I read this book by a, a gentleman called Dr. Pransky, over, who's based over in the States. And I read this book, and it didn't really hit me. And then someone said, well, he's got an online course. So I watched this course, and boom, I saw my wife change in front of me when she heard him say something that was so simple that I couldn't catch on to what he said. I rewound the video about 20 times. And anyway, over a period of the next week or so, um, our relationship changed dramatically in a, in a really positive way. My relationship with my children seemed to change because my stress had changed. My stress yes. levels had disappeared as a business owner, entrepreneur, like most of the people who are listening to this, whether they're leaders in business or running a team mm-hmm. and have 
targets and you know overwhelming uh, odds against them mm. i was living in a feeling that wasn't a loving feeling so i was bringing that stress back home and it's, it was unhealthy and i didn't see that that was going on yeah i mean i can i can vouch for this because i mm. i come across a lot of people that purport to have skills and to have been through um, life-changing experiences and yeah. that they've got a lot to give and yeah. sometimes when you do a bit of investigation you think actually the story's not quite as they're telling it <laughs> yeah, I've known you long enough and I've known you very yeah. well this is all 100% true so absolutely there really was a bit of a Damascus moment for you and you well, it was, found it was, something yeah. that was better absolutely it was it was a defining moment and the yeah. defining moment was that everything i've been teaching my students to go out and use as models theories and ideas in the world of coaching to help executives have a better experience of being in business and a better experience of being in business would be effortless success as opposed to stressful success yeah and the defining moment was I saw that I had personally been living in a feeling of stress most of my life and I didn't even know it. It's like wearing a pair of shoes. Eventually you don't even realize they're on your feet until you take them off and then you go, oh, that's better. So this stress came away and it was because I saw that in the moment there were just three principles that if human beings were to catch on to the understanding of how these principles work, then stress will disappear because it doesn't really exist. Now, that's a real big one to get <laughs> in, for the intellect to get its head around. The intellect will go, oh, hold on a second, I'm feeling stressful, so it must exist. Where people think stress is coming from isn't, I would say, in 99% of the cases, if you were to ask 100 people, no matter what their role in life is, where's your stress coming from? They will point to something that's not true. So we're living in a world where we think stress is coming from work, emails, overload, selling the business, um, and all the pressures that come with the possibly losing a deal, uh, you, you name it, having six children and having to pay the bills, you know, all that, and getting divorced, getting married, moving home, all of these outside experiences, people think innocently, and no one's to blame it, that, that st the stress they're feeling is because of that. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, I, now, I can imagine that there's a lot of people that would push back on you regarding yeah, those comments and, and would probably even show a bit of irritation and even anger. Well, possibly, I, yeah. And I, think, I think, you know, I can understand that. But um, just to backtrack, just one step, because I remember you saying to me about NLP, and, and I don't think you were saying that you'd found that that didn't work, but you were talking to me and saying it was very technique-based. Yeah, so, so the, the difference between the two is NLP is about intervention. It's very one up, one down, you know, practitioner working with a client. And um, they, they present a problem, I don't know, like a phobia, and then you go and work on that phobia with a technique, a model, and you guide someone through a process, and at the end of it, you know, most of the time they wouldn't have that problem. But here's the problem with that. It still creates a scenario where that client might have another experience that isn't going well in their life, where they're struggling. Their performance is down, say. Um, so they go back to, to the NLP practitioner or the coach and want another model to fix that. If you were to teach a client that all problems are coming from the same misunderstanding, 
So simple as that may sound, when realized, people do better in life because they don't get freaked out by their experiences anymore. Whereas at the intervention model, it creates a lot of self-absorbed individuals, unfortunately, innocently. So it's, it's a more fundamental solution that goes to the real root of how the mind works. Well, let me give you an, yeah, absolutely. So let me give you a metaphor. It's really difficult to explain without metaphors. So um, if I give a metaphor about gravity, okay, if you didn't understand how gravity worked and that that was a principle, um, trying to build an aeroplane would be futile because it will never take off because you haven't built into the design necessarily the principle of gravity. Here's another example. If you didn't know how gravity works and you were scared because you didn't understand every time you let go of your phone, it smashed on the floor. You might design, design a device to prevent you dropping your phone on the floor, right? Mm. Because you think that that device might stop the phone breaking. But here's the thing. If you understand how gravity works, you don't need to design anything. You just hold on to the phone. Yes. It's easy. There's no effort required. You don't hold on to your chair every time you sit down, hoping that uh, gravity keeps working because you're concerned that you might float off into space. If you understand the principle, it's life's easier mm. when you understand gravity. You tend to stay back from the edge of tall buildings. Yeah, <laughs> at the yes. top of the you, you stand back from the edge because you understand how gravity works. Well, when human beings understand where their experience is coming from, whether it's um, stress, anxiety, concern, fear, overwhelm, when they understand where that experience is coming from, how it works, and that it's really simple when they see that all experience is coming from inside of them via these principles then life becomes less, there's less effort involved with having a day-to-day experience. When you're having a, a tough time at work, you don't get freaked out by it. You see what's going on, and it's not because of what's happening outside of you. And you're right, people might push back on that. Mm. You know, But when you frame it this way, Mark, if you say to human beings, you say human beings innocently, the way they've been designed, forget where their experience is coming from, and they think it's because of circumstances. When they see that that's not possible and that's not how the mind really works, when they see that, then they don't stress themselves out as so much. And that's the clue. They don't stress themselves out as much. Now, here's the other thing, the caveat, final thing, Mark, is human beings don't wake up in the morning and say, today I'm going to stress myself out. So I would never say to any clients, anyone listening on the podcast, that you or anyone is doing this intentionally. But it really, really looks like a mirage is water. And it really, really looks like stress is coming from your circumstances. It's, it's, we probably need to let people take that in and let that sink in because it, it's, I think I, you must have seen this. I mean, I've, I've explained this to, to a number of people. Um, I think I was quite fortunate because I remember you explaining it to me yeah, and it just clicked with me first time, which was the, the idea of our thinking creating how we experience the world. 
Yeah. And you you said about the story of the bubble machine. That That's would, right. That would be a good one to tell on them. No, it's, really, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lovely metaphor, Mark, that clients yeah. catch on to quite easily. Um, human beings, if they didn't have thoughts, okay, most people know they have thought. A lot of people forget. If you were to ask 100 people, how many people have thought? How many thoughts a day do you have? Some people will go, one. <laughs> the same one all the time. Other people go, oh, hundreds, thousands. Well, we have you know, nearly 100,000 thoughts a day. So think of the thought as like bubbles coming out of a bubble machine. If that bubble machine was plugged into the mains, then you will see bubbles 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as long as it's on. Yes. Well, human beings are the same. When they're awake or asleep, the bubble machine is always on. So there's always thought. Even when we're sleeping, we have thought. It's called dreams. And some dreams can be so intense that they wake us up. And we go, and then we go, oh, that was just a nightmare, you know, and then we fall back to sleep. Now, what, here's a challenge that human beings have, and it's an innocent challenge, and no one's doing it on purpose, is that during the day, we have the same experiences. We have intense thoughts sometimes that really freaks us out, you know, worries about bills or hitting targets or shareholder meeting coming up or that presentation you've got to do. Mm. You know, or that sales meeting with a client where, you know, you've got to give them the bad news that you haven't developed your software and delivered it on time. You know, that sort of worry thought. Yes. Well, well, thought is so powerful that sometimes a big bubble comes out of the bubble machine and we get intense feeling from thought, a bit like when we're woken up from a nightmare. But when it happens in the day, people forget it's exactly the same as a nightmare. I call them mini daymares, those stressful moments in our lives when we've got lost in thought and the power of thought is so powerful that it can change your biochemistry, raise your blood pressure. Yes. I've, I've seen this actually. I've experienced it on a number of occasions. I've experienced it in sport, which yeah. on occasions can, can play to your advantage. So in, in preparation for a big event, cause I used to be involved in triathlon, a number of different sports, but triathlon sort of fairly yeah. competitively before yeah. the start of the race my heart rate would raise. Mm. I would become more attuned to what was going on around me. I would start to think about that race mm. and my breathing would increase. And one of the things that I was once said to me many, many years ago, but it sort of stuck and registered with me. And it, it made sense was that when your mind is intensely focused on an experience and whether that experience is in the past or the future, Mm. There's a physical reaction to that thinking mm. yeah. because your body doesn't know if it's happening now as a reality. You know, I am being yeah. attacked by a lion or, yeah. you know, I have got somebody physically trying to attack me in some yeah. way or I'm running up a mountain or yeah. it's just your thinking. Well, it always comes back to that same thing. It's your thinking in the moment. Technically speaking, Mark, if we were to be, um, drill down into the future and to the past, they don't actually exist. You know, past our experiences from yesterday and the day before and last year and five years and ten years ago. And as we talk about the holiday we had a year ago, you could technically say, well, we're talking about the past. Yes. But what I mean by the past doesn't exist today. It can't do, never will do. It's like um, just a memory in time carried forward to now. So if I mem remember about my 21st birthday, that's 
doesn't exist. The past does not exist. It's just a memory. Yeah. You can take yourself back to a previous time when you had a very pleasant experience and you can gain pleasure from that. Absolutely. But you are actually doing it in the now. You're doing it in this moment. So here's the illusion that I think human beings sometimes get um, wrapped up in. They create an illusory future in their mind of troubles and challenges that may or may not happen. Right. Mm. But invariably, they innocently create a movie in their future. That's so scary, like Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know how old your listeners are. Maybe they won't remember. No, they will remember that, won't they? Oh, yes. Um, so yeah. Freddy Krueger, Nightmare. It's like that scenario of terrible stuff that's going to happen. And we're doing it, and we're freaking out today. Why would we do that to ourselves as human beings? Why would we freak ourselves out when about a scenario that may or may not happen? You can only really deal with it in the moment. So worrying five months in advance or four weeks is not a good strategy for propelling yourself forward. Uh, some people think a little bit of stress is good for them. Now, I would say, well, that's like saying to a doctor, a little bit of a cold is healthy. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> let me, let me, th- let me throw something at you that, that I yeah. was actually discussing with somebody, um, last week. Yeah. Um, Many years ago, when I first got involved in the sale of businesses and, and dealing with a lot of business people, yeah. I was very similar to you. I was always looking to say what made those people successful because mm-hmm. a lot you, you're seeing the successful people who have built up, some, built up something of value and then they want to be able to sell that business and most of the time they want to go on and do something else, bigger and better or something different or they got bored or whatever it is. Yeah. But they've managed to do it. And I was looking at the individuals to say, what makes them successful? And there were very few common denominators between the individuals because the education background was very different. Mm. Um, their social interaction skills, very varied. Their mean, Even their ability to communicate was quite varied. One of the common denominators that I seemed to spot was that most of them would come up with an idea and they would see it in a very positive frame. They mm. could see themselves succeeding. And that seemed to be, and I'm, 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 I was making some suppositions there, that yeah. that was motivating and driving them forward. Well, you know, all thought that human beings have has a, have, has a feeling attached to it. Every thought we have, even if we're not aware of what the thoughts are, human beings are consciously only aware of about a 10% of their thinking and the thoughts that they have every day, only 10%. So that means 90% of our thinking of thoughts are under the radar, in other words, out of our conscious awareness. So when we're feeling um, excited about future, we might not even know why. We might even know what, what thought, not have an idea of what the thoughts are. But invariably, you tend to find that people are successful, they follow a feeling. You know, the psychologists in the past have used this phrase, follow your bliss. Why? Because there seems to be an innate intelligence in human beings. If they could identify with the positive feeling, invariably, you could backtrack to the thoughts like you've just said and go, yeah, they have a visual. They have a vision for the future. You know, people without a vision perish. You've heard that phrase before, right? So when people have a vision and it's rich and it's and it's like three dimensional inside their mind's eye and color and a movie and there's the kinesthetic sensations that are coming from that are intense. 
That's what they're describing. So all, it's human, the same. all, all human beings can do that. So it's the same. And you, it, people use different phrases about following their gut instinct. Yeah. Or following a hunch. That's right. Yeah, you can't, de- you can't, you can't define a feeling, um, an insight, as I would call it, with your intellect. Insights are beyond intellect. And they're personal to every human being that has them. If I, like, for example, my book, Joyride, I had a, I could have launched it 18 months ago, and I had a, a in my gut, a feeling it wasn't right yet. So I made some changes, and then I had a feeling, oh, we need to launch it now. And as you know, it went to number one on Amazon. It was a feeling, but I've had that feeling when I worked for Peter back in the IT industry days. I was one of the first people, um, I'm not saying this to brag, by the way, just but one of the first people to take to banks an idea of transferring data to their clients before the internet. And then the internet came along. We were transferring data, one of the first share dealing systems okay. ever in the UK. And that went on and sold, sold for millions. And it was just a feeling I had. I didn't have the intellect to work this stuff out. So for me, ignorance is bliss a lot of the time. Our intellect, I think, is our intellects are overrated. And I think if we use them too much as human beings, as leaders, you know, the warning lights that come up on the dashboard of a car when we're driving it too fast, right? Yes. Is to say you, you, you're driving the engine too fast and it's heating up and you get warning lights to slow down. Well, I would suggest to any executive who's stressed up, stressed out, worried about the future, feeling the pressure and it's coming out in their body and their behaviors like drinking and, you know, the stuff that people do when they're stressed. Sure. Um, is really to see the feelings that you have if they're unpleasant and that stress, if you do notice it, it's feedback from your psychology. It's like the warning lights on the dashboard saying you're driving too fast. A stressful feeling is feedback to the human being to say, whoa, slow down, slow down. You can get a lot more done with less on your mind. I think it's a really important uh, topic because I've seen um, over the years, um, I've seen people put themselves into a state where they're less able to cope with the problems that are coming at them and creating the stress, which is, there's a bit of an irony there, isn't it? You know, you're, you're getting, you're getting things that you're seeing that are obstacles you're seeing them as obstacles and this is creating the stress and actually that stress is putting you into a state where you're probably less able to cope with it well absolutely and i've seen people literally break down as well i mean to go away because because of stress and never come back well i've I've even seen people die on a few occasions stress is a killer yeah stress is a killer it changes your biochemistry yes You know, if someone's ever said anything embarrassed who's listening to this call right now, this podcast, and they'll know that maybe they've felt themselves blush in the past. Well, think of that. When we blush, we're changing our biochemistry. Our skin's going red on our face because we said something embarrassing. What caused it? Thought. We went, oops, I shouldn't have said that. I hope they don't know this. I'm going red. (laughs) And we go red and we just dismiss it. But if we were to look at the logic of that, we had a thought raised our blood pressure, pumped more blood through our heart to the skin in our face, and we blushed. Within All seconds. Within yeah. The, yeah, before thought. We don't even have a we, we have thought recognition of that. It happens too quickly. Yes. So that's to demonstrate logically the power of a thought to change our biochemistry. Stress is the same. And it's a, you're right, it is a killer. 
And it doesn't have to be that way. But if we are innocently looking outside of ourselves for the causes of stress, then we'll be, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be looking forever because it will be like looking for your keys underneath a, a, a lamppost at night that's lighting up the ground. And you go up to a guy and you say, what are you looking for? He says, I'm looking for my keys out here. Well, they're not, they're not here. Well, why are you looking here? He said, well, because it's well lit up. <laughs> Where did you leave them? Well, I left them in the house. <laughs> but, but it's dark in there. It's dark. There's more light here. So this is where I'm going to look. Yeah. <laughs> so as long as human beings are looking in the wrong place for where stress is coming from, all these stress management courses. Yes. If they're, if they're, if they're teaching techniques and strategies, I promise you, it's not where it's at. Where it's at is showing human beings these three fundamental principles of mind, consciousness, and thought, and how they work. And how that when human beings understand the mechanics, it's like discovering gravity. You 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 function better. So you know, I've got on my in my programs, Mark, I've got a professional high jumper who's jumping higher because of this understanding. I've got professional footballers, I've got um musician, young musician of the year. These people are performing better because they finally understood that the only thing that was getting in their way of their performance, their stress and anxieties, was coming from inside of them. Yes. And not because of the circumstances. And I hope Harry Kane, if he has to go up in the World Cup, <laughs> <laughs> understands this. Yes. <laughs> better without any thinking. Yes. Well, he looks like he's he's doing well so far. So hopefully yeah. that continues. Yeah. Well, it's now 33 minutes. Um, I'd like to thank you, David. Fascinating, um, as well, always, talking to you. Well. I know that we've really only just touched the top of the iceberg in many respects, and we could have spoke on for much, much longer. Maybe well, we'll have be back well. later on another podcast. When Michael leaves me and, and goes yeah. away on holiday, I'll <laughs> call you back. But it's great to have you as our first ever guest onto the podcast. Well, thanks. Um, it's been great listening to you. Um, yeah. I will make sure that we put up some links so that people can find you. But give yeah. somebody, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and have a chat about issues related to stress within their business, what's the yeah. best way to contact you? It's my email, um, which is David. And then uh, you might need to write this down, Mark. Yes. But it's uh, auspicium, which is Latin. It, it actually, uh, the English word auspicious comes from auspicium. And it's uh, spelt A-U-S. P I C I U M for mother dot co dot UK. That's auspicium.co.uk, David. And then, um, yeah, I'll I'm pleased to say that I spelt that correctly. And if I hadn't, I wouldn't have told you anyway. <laughs> no, that's great. That is really great, David. I've enjoyed uh, having a chat with you today. We will speak again very soon, uh, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but uh, to all of our listeners, this was the Bossit Podcast. Today we were talking to David Key about stress relief and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you very much, David. This podcast is dedicated to Graham Paul Edwards, 14th of August, 1963 to the 8th of July, 2018. This podcast has been created to bring awareness to the stresses and strains people carry within themselves due to overwork and the pressures of business life. It's about stopping to enjoy the important things in life, taking time out with your loved ones and keeping perspective. If you recognise that you aren't doing this and may be one of the many who needs help, don't hesitate. Seek professional help.